listening to Kraken Fancast, presented by Silver City Brewery, the podcast for Seattle Kraken fans by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kraken Fancast, brought to you by Silver City Brewery. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues, Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson. We'll also have a most very, very special interview to present from our cohort, Chelios, which I'm excited to tell you about in a bit. Uh, for those of you who are new to our program, we want to let you know that we release episodes of Kraken Fancast approximately every two weeks. We'll discuss news about the NHL's brand new Seattle Kraken franchise, which will start to play very, very soon. Uh, we also aim to go into some different subject matter you might not hear on other podcasts and webcasts. Plus, we'll feature occasional interviews with people in the Seattle Kraken community and beyond. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We also have our own YouTube page, which contains some video content that we'll periodically provide. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Kraken Fancast. Uh, also, before we get to our show, uh, we here at Kraken Fancast want to let you know that we really love and appreciate all the great feedback we've received for our initial six episodes. Can you believe it? We're at episode seven already. Um, it's been very uplifting for us to, to get all this great feedback and to show our appreciation to you all, uh, we wanna give something in return. So right now we ask any of you to uh, give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And in return, we're gonna uh, get you an official Kraken Fancast sticker and put you in a drawing for a fantastic prize that we will be announced probably around holiday time. All you have to do is leave a review in the next few episodes and uh, we'll uh, read the usernames on our program who have left reviews. And if we call your name, you'll be instructed to email us and we'll connect you with a special Kraken related prize soon after. So again, thank you so much for the great feedback. We'd love to get more great feedback. So uh, please keep that in mind. That's it of the housekeeping for now. Let's get to Kraken talk. You know, it's funny, uh, literally a few days ago, I thought we'd have very little to talk about in this episode. We've gone over so many things in the past episodes and the team hasn't even started playing yet. So, you know, how much more are we going to have to talk about? Oh, this one will probably be short and we'll just have this little interview that Luke did. Oh, no, no way. Uh, there's oh so much to discuss tonight. Um, over the past few days, uh, the Kraken have signed two free agents. The Kraken Iceplex up in the Northgate area of Seattle, uh, which was, will be used for team practices, rec leagues, and the general public, that just opened up. And while some informal practices have started for the team, training camp officially starts in just a few days, officially in September 23rd, and uh, the team's first appearance ever to the public, their first exhibition game ever, will happen on September 26th in Spokane. So we'll talk all about that. And then uh, we'll finish up our program with an interview. I am so very grateful and happy and proud that we got uh, Lou Chelios uh, hit it out of the park here for us. Uh, he recently had a great conversation with Seattle Kraken TV play-by-play -play man, John Forsland. John is a hockey broadcasting legend who was a longtime voice for the Carolina Hurricanes as well as nationally televised games for NBC Sports. To me, the Kraken getting John as the team's first play-by-play -play announcer was an incredible coup. And it was a great coup for Luke to have John graciously agree to an interview. So, uh, so don't go anywhere. That is 
coming up. So that's uh, coming up a little later. But right now, let's uh, first chat about the free agent signings. We got two guys, two new Kraken members, uh, Dennis Chalowski, who was recently with the Detroit Red Wings, kind of played on and off between their AHL affiliate in Grand Rapids and up in Detroit. And then also Ryan Donato, uh, who uh, Jim and I uh, know pretty well. He's a former Bruin, also played with Minnesota and most recently San Jose. So um, guys, what can we say about uh, Dennis Chalowski and Ryan Donato? What, what, tell us a little bit about them and what it means for the Kraken. Let's start talking about Dennis, uh, Nathan. Yeah, uh, Dennis Chalowski, defenseman out of British Columbia. He's about six foot two, 198 pounds, young guy, 23 years old, drafted 20th overall in the first round in uh, 2016 by the Red Wings. He played 104, 105 games in the NHL after his uh, stint in the uh, Grand Rapids. Kind of low stats, you know, 10 goals, 17 assists, not too bad. You know, you get 27 points in that time, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with us. Every time we pick up more free agents, it's exciting to see that it just doesn't end. You know, it wasn't going to end with the draft. We keep getting these players and it just makes it more and more exciting to to see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, this, and this will be ongoing. This is the life of a, an AHL team, of course. Chalowski, I, I was a little bit familiar with um, just from my fantasy hockey and having uh you know some defenseman all hurt and uh, all right i'll pick up this chalowski kid and not bad you know not a ton of stats he's he's had limited play in detroit but uh an interesting prospect might be really psychic he may have a little bit more opportunity to uh, do more here in seattle now ryan donato on the other hand he has uh he's been back and forth between the ahl and uh and nhl to some extent but a little more a little more happening on the nhl uh, Ryan Donato, not a Boston boy, so how can I not have a soft spot for him? Uh, was with the Bruins for a couple of years, parts of a couple of seasons, traded to Minnesota, played for them for a couple of seasons or parts of a couple of seasons, and then more recently San Jose, a center. Jim, uh, what, what can we talk about Ryan? Well, let me see. I got the news about four o'clock. I saw it on the Twitter about Donato and kind of had to double look at it. I Me too. I <laughs> know. And I thought instantly, I thought, okay, that's good, you know, Boston boy. And then I started reflecting on his career in the four years in the NHL, roughly. I, I remember he started out pretty hot right away with Boston, and we were all a little excited. And then it, it tapered off quite quickly. He's kind of a streaky player, you know, in his uh, stats. So he's a natural centerman. He can play the wing, six foot, 192. He signed for a one year, 750 AAV. He played at Harvard for three years. His dad was his coach, was a pretty much a Bruin, almost a semi-legend Bruin. He had a good career with the Bruins. Had a good NHL career, really, his dad. He had a good, solid team at Harvard with the Bees from seven, uh, 2017 to 19. Like I said, he's got good hands. He's got good speed, a little bit streaky. He could work on his D side of the puck. They had bounced him down to Providence a couple of times throughout the year. Then uh, on the trade to Minnesota, well, he went to Minnesota on that trade, and that's when we got Charlie Coyle over the Bruins. <clears throat> he was part of that deal. Yeah, two Boston area boys traded for each other. I know. Same type of deal, though. Um, went to Minnesota, started out hot. I remember thinking when they played the Bruins right away, and I thought, oh, God, here we go. We got another Bruin killer, right? Did the same type of stint, uh, two years roughly, and he bounced down to Iowa a couple times. Had a little bit of a nagging lower back injury, if I recall. So his, his uh, games played is down around the 50 mark. But he's And he had a few scratches, too. So he kind of had the, almost an identical career there. And he got traded there at the end of his contract to the Sharks. 
and he probably had his best production year to this point. And so we can look at it either a second or third time charm for him with the crack and we'll see, uh, however you look at it. Maybe he just needs a new start completely away. I don't know. He has moments of just great skills. It's just an up and down thing. We'll see how that goes. Can that can that be a coaching thing that that helps him? I mean, obviously there's a, there's an injury thing, but assuming he's healthy, what what stops a player from being streaky? You know, I don't know. I mean, there's been stars over the years with teams that get streaky. You know, guys first and second liners that go through big time streaks. Um, if you look at him, his his career numbers, he's a time on ice minutes puts him in a third liner, which uh, I started look breaking this down with our center position. I have this feeling that the Kraken are trying to do some insurance with the Yanni Gord situation, you know, for that six to eight week period. Because right now, all of a sudden, we're loading up on center depth. And that was something we were really light on expansion and um, post. I think they're trying to go down the slot pretty good with some super depth for that three, four, five positioning so they can rotate in and out through the farm system, too, because they don't know what's going to happen as long as Gord's out, right? And it also, they've also slotted in the past, they've had Yarncrock down the center position. He's more of a natural winger. I think they want to get him on the wing. And so I think that's some of the reason they got another centerman in here to help out. I mean, one thing that was said about the draft uh, and you guys, either of you guys chime in on this. I wanted to talk a little bit about Chalowski too. I mean, where does he fit in? Is he somebody more that's maybe, maybe going to end up in Charlotte or because it seems like we've got a lot of defensemen. Now. Same deal. Uh, <laughs> you can look at the seven for the most part. And that after that, we've got a ton of, you know, down the line. So he's, probably hanging out in charlotte for a while so one guy that hopefully fits in right away and then one guy that's uh more of a prospect yeah because they've always had uh jeremy lozon hanging out at about 70 so he's going to be if they build their roster at 20 and then the three scratches up in the box they're going to have a couple forwards in lozon sitting up there if that's what they're looking at right now and you know what they could also be working building the stock for charlotte checkers and then you know, maybe some some deals around uh, Thanksgiving time when they reevaluate. It's good to load up and, and do some package deals, maybe. So we've got tons of that utility stuff going on. For sure. And then hopefully, you know, in the coming weeks, some of us will get to uh, maybe see these guys in practice action because the brand new Kraken Iceplex opened up. Jim, you and I got to go there. And Nathan, no doubt you, you'll go soon. Um, Lute also joined us. Uh, what an incredible facility. I, I mentioned about watching practices because that's that's where, you know, the main rink is where uh, the team is going to be doing their training camp and practicing each week. Members of the depths membership, sort of like a little extra sort of fan club kind of thing, uh, level thing for Kraken fans. Part of the membership is a uh, possibility of uh, going to practices and watching. So I'll be looking, you know, everything we're talking about here on our fan cast, I'll be like, oh, wow, let's see if we can go see that in practice and see what, what they're exactly going to be doing. But anyway, uh, I digress. The Kraken Iceplex, just amazing. Three rinks, uh, a restaurant, which will be open soon. That's not quite ready yet. A huge store and, you know, just brands making new development, the whole area and all uh and it was sort of Jim, you and I, uh, you know, we got to uh, we get to skate on there. There was a little open skate. We got to go down there a uh, day before it was opened up to the general public. There was like a, a one or two day preview they had. So uh, we got to go down a few days ago and I, I found it really thrilling. What did you think? Oh, man, I, I was kind of in shock, actually. You, you heard me that day. <laughs> I kept saying, geez, you know, I've been waiting my whole life for a team. And then to be able to all of a sudden skate on this ice, it, it almost seems surreal. And um uh, I tried taking the local fanboy out of me and trying to 
act like I was from someplace else checking out. Yeah, impossible. <laughs> and no, and even even so, I was still blown away. Going, my God, because I've seen a lot of pro facilities. This thing blows them, man. This is just awesome. I, I am so proud of the organization and just, you know, that they decided from day one, this is going to be all about community, whether it's at the Kraken Iceplex facility or downtown at the uh, Climate Pledge. They've, you know, with all the improvements they did throughout the whole surrounding, you know, street system, sidewalks, uh, traffic revisions, everything. They've said, we're going to work with the city. We're going to work with everybody. You know, we're, we're in this, man. So, it was just an amazing moment. And I, as far as the overall, I gave it a nine out of 10, which is pretty high. The uh, ice, I rank at an 8.5. I, I'm, I do that stuff all the time with every sheet of ice I ever step on. And that's, that's extremely high too. The overall atmosphere is a nine. Uh, I'm not giving out any tens. That's so. Yeah. Well, you gotta be, you know, there's always room for improve, a little improvement. Yeah. I was, I was bummed that the locker rooms weren't open and I, I don't think they were ever going to get us in those things anyway, but uh I'm looking forward to playing on it some more. It's a little bit of a travel for me, but I will make time to make it happen. Yeah, the only uh, rink in Seattle city limits. I mean, there are others are in Shoreline and Linwood and all the you know the yeah. surrounding areas. So, uh, yeah, I I was too. I mean, it. Uh, I mean, obviously there are training facilities and things, but one that's just opened up so much to the community and the public. Like it's almost like a little uh, little hockey, little Disney World yeah. there. I'm, I'm probably overstating it, but uh, yeah, Nathan. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go yet with you guys, though I wanted to very much. Uh, how's the parking? Is it easy easy to access? Plenty. Oh yeah, because it's where you know the, the we should you know I can't assume all the listeners know it's right where the Northgate uh, Mall was, uh, and there will be more show. There is still some some stores and restaurants and things still remaining from, from before, but uh, most of that was cleared out the old Macy's and the, et cetera. But there are all these buildings and, you know, you can look on a map there and you can see, you know, future development. So it's probably going to be, you know, you know, like this little, uh, you know, sort of retail restaurant uh, city around, around the, the, fan, the yeah, iceplex, but yeah, plenty of free parking there. Good. I'm going to take my wife and kids. Yep. Yep, kids will love it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, for sure. Uh, Kraken Iceplex um, open every day, and I if you go to the website, there's actually quite a bit open time for just open skate. Might not be the I think the rink we worked on or we we worked on we skated on was uh, was where the team will be. But there are two other rinks. One they still need to put some ice in it, uh, but the other one was open, and uh, those will be uh, open for uh, rec leagues and the general public. So it seem, seems like there's going to be a lot of uh, opportunity there for everybody. So speaking of that main rink, that's training camp place. Uh, that's uh, that's starting up in just a few days on the 23rd. And then they have an ex- uh, their first exhibition game, September 26th in Spokane against the Vancouver Canucks, who will also be their uh, opening day uh, regular season opponent. I'm going to be out there going out to Spokane to see this game. Uh, I believe Lute is as well. Do either of you guys have any thoughts or any insight on, you know, what training camp is like for these guys? I mean, this is a lot short, like usually training, you know, training camp or spring training, whatever for, for baseball goes on forever. Football's pretty damn long too. basketball. Not so much. I don't know, maybe a little longer, but you know, hockey, that's it's kind of a relative compared to the other major sports. It's a pretty t- quick turnaround. So I'm wondering what the coaches are going to put those players through or what, what, what are they looking for? What, what happens now? Typically, already players have showed up. I believe 19 showed up on Thursday. Or yeah, they had sort of in some informal practice. Yeah, they're called right? cap. They're called captain skates, and they're usually where the guys want to get 
get going early. They've been training all summer in the weight room and stuff. And then they, they get into town and they start skating around for however, 10 days to two weeks. And then typically, so camp opens on the 23rd. And that's when the entire coaching staff and everybody, the trainers and everybody will be involved. The thing is, is your timeline is pretty darn quick from that point on, because you basically have four days of work, coaching philosophy, what have you, with the players till your first preseason game. So, you know, you're going to be looking, you're going to be evaluating players. And a lot, obviously a lot of them are those lower bottom six, really is what they're looking at. And they're going to work on the, the basic stuff, a lot of basic stuff. Uh, and they're going to work on a lot of face-offs, I can guarantee you that. And they'll probably work on the PP and the PK quite a bit too. But you got to cram in a lot of stuff in four days. And then you've got that next segment before your actual, you know, the end of the run there, which is 10 days total. And then you've got a week off before your uh, first actual game is a week. So that'll be your final wind down. You'll get your roster to 23 and then send some of your guys back to Charlotte and then others to whatever, you know, some of the prospects and things like this. So they've got a lot to do in that time and they do it and they've all done it. All these coaches have done it before. They know what's going on. They've got a system that, that's fail safe. Uh, a lot of the players have been through it, obviously. A lot of the prospects and you know young players, it's kind of new, a little bit of nerves. But they get through it. Guys like Giordano and everybody will help them out. It's a, it's a rather short period and a lot going on. So they know what they're doing. They have a good idea going in. Like I said, it's just a few positions on the lower end of the bottom six that they got to worry about. They know where their weaker spots are right now, so they're really going to focus on that. And obviously, as, as the exhibition games go, I mean, that's going to gel things more. You're going to see who, what lines work and really you know, truly work. Uh, it's one thing for practice, but, you know, in the, in the game situation, that'll be interesting. The Spokane Arena, I don't have in front of me what the capacity is, but I think it's probably around 5,000. It's interesting that the first time Seattle Kraken team will be in front of the public is in a pretty intimate space, clear cross on the other side of the state. But uh, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'll, I'll download a, as much of a report as I can uh, on it for our next episode, but uh, really psyched for it. And then, of course, October 12, opening day, on the road for quite a while, right, Nathan? I mean, gee, that's uh, that, then we don't see them at home until the 23rd. Yeah, the season starts on the road uh, in Vegas, I must say. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for that game. You know that one, that's special for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean... They play five games on the road until the home opener. So there's going to be a lot of anticipation, get in front of their home crowd. They're not going to get much opportunity in the preseason. You know, like you said, they're playing in Spokane. I think they're playing in Everett and they're playing in Kent, you know, a game. But to play in Seattle in a brand new arena, on a brand new organization, it's got to be nerve wracking, I would imagine. But uh, their first game in Vegas, they play five games on the road. The home opener is against our neighbors up in the north, the Canucks. That'll be at seven o'clock and I will be at home watching. And I will be at home cheering and I hope that uh, everything goes well. I'm sure it will. I think, you know, I hear there'll be some, I don't, I couldn't tell you any details, but I, I will let you know, Nathan, that yes, you may want to watch at home, but if you can maybe play some hooky, there may be some hoopla around the Seattle center before the game. I've just been hearing rumors. I don't know what that means, but just so that it's going to be quite a celebration. So. I, I have heard a few things myself. I'm I'm going to dig a little deeper and see what I can find out for us. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, hey, uh, uh, just a little reminder for all of our listeners uh, about our two big sponsors, Silver City Brewing and the Angry Beaver. We'd like to give big thanks to our sponsors, uh, particularly our new presenting sponsor, Silver City Brewery, located in Bremerton, with their beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond. Yes. 
Silver City, an all-inclusive Northwest craft beer adventure in every pint. Stay tuned for more news about the Kraken Fancast and Silver City Brewery partnership in the coming weeks and months. Also, big thanks to our good pals at the Angry Beaver, Tim Pipes and Company, Seattle's number one hockey team bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. Kraken Fancast will periodically broadcast video episodes from the Angry Beaver throughout the season. Okay, now roundtable finishing up, but we have so, oh, so much more. Lou Chelios, our cohort and friend, uh, got this great interview together with John Forslund. John, as I mentioned, is our first Seattle Kraken uh, TV play-by-play announcer. John's resume is most impressive with uh, Hartford Whalers and Carolina Hurricanes for many years. Uh, and also, um, if you ever watched uh, NBC Sports uh, broadcasts in recent years, of uh, NHL telecasts, nationally uh, broadcast telecasts. You may have heard Doc Emmerich, but once in a while there's another voice in there. Usually it was John Forsland. So he's a total pro, to- as I mentioned earlier, a total coup getting him uh, as part uh, to work with the uh, Kraken organization, along with the rest of the um, broadcast crew, JT Brown, who will be uh, his color commentator, and uh, Everett Fitzhugh, who's a play-by-play announcer for uh, radio broadcasts. We hope to have some uh, interviews with those guys eventually too. But John Forsland uh, had a nice chat with uh, Lou Chelios uh, that Lou recorded the other day. And here it is. Lou Chelios here with a very, very special guest on Chelios Chats. This is a voice you'll all recognize from NHL hockey and NHL playoffs. After Doc Emmerich retired, John Forsland is the voice of NHL hockey. He is now becoming... Kraken TV play-by-play announcer. Welcome to Seattle, John. Hello, Luke, my new friend. How are you? Thanks for those kind words. That's a lot of pressure you're putting on me right now. Well, you're good. <laughs> you're good. You've got a few years in this business, and I'm only yeah. three interviews in, but the fans love us. <laughs> and the okay. Kraken fan cast reach over 50,000 Seattle Kraken fans worldwide between our four big groups. So it's a Great. pleasure today to have you, John Forsland. Join our show. Great. First My off, pleasure. tell us a little bit about your Swedish backgrounds because everybody knows I'm a yeah. Swede and I'm a yeah. friend of Ricard Gronborg. And yeah. we add you to the invite to have a coffee at Pike Market one day with Ricard Gronborg. Let's make it happen. I'll be there with bells on. There's no right. doubt about it. Hey, you know what? Um, my paternal grandparents came directly from Sweden in the 20s. And um, my grandfather was a Protestant minister and my grandmother was an opera singer. And she left Sweden with high hopes. She uh, was dubbed, I only learned this recently doing some research on the internet, but she was uh, dubbed by many in Sweden as the next Jenny Lind, right? A great singer. uh, And she joined Boston Opera Company. And I didn't really learn much about her because she passed away when I was two. My granddad died when I was uh, in the womb. So I never knew my paternal grandparents. I knew my, my maternal grandmother of Italian descent died when I was four. So unfortunately, I did not have that great bond that that people have with their grandparents. And i that's one of the few things I've missed out in a, what has been a great life for me. But anyway, they came here. They settled in Boston first and she worked professionally. I, I did find some of the programs that she was in from the, uh, the various opera shows. And uh, they migrated west to Springfield, Massachusetts, 90 miles west of Boston, started a family. 
immigrant neighborhood, uh, some Swedes, some Italians. My mom and dad met when they were high school kids. My dad went to World War II when he was 17, joined the Marines. Uh, my mom and dad were just friends. They weren't romantically involved yet. He came back from the war and they established a great relationship and they got married in 1950. And unfortunately, my dad, who was my best friend, Lute, passed away when I was 22. I just started my career in the American Hockey League as a broadcaster in 1985. Oh in January 1985, the very first day I received my first paycheck to actually do this and have somebody pay me to announce a hockey game, he passed away suddenly in his sleep. I lost my man. I lost my buddy, my inspiration. But to this day, I still honor him with my, hey, hey, what do you say, call that I tag on goals. Oh, beautiful. Um, that's the genesis of all of that. Um, and he has the, and I, I knew then I said, whatever I do, if I do make it, he'll have the best seat in the house. And, and luckily I've been able to be at this for, you know, over 30 years now. And, uh, I think he's pulled some strings upstairs. I know. That. All right. So your dad's got a front row seat right in your heart. Yeah. Close to you as you can get. He's right with you. So did he we get, to get him? We got to get him in the climate pledge arena. Now that's the, there you trip. go. Well, we got a back door. We'll get him in there. Okay. So, and we've got some connections. Uh, my grandfather was a, a, a Lutheran minister. His wife, Evelyn Anderson's father, came over from Sweden to the San Francisco gold rush in 1849. Nine out of 10 Swedes died of scurvy or were uh, robbed in, uh, of their gold. Anders Thorsen was a hero. He got back to Sweden, brought 15 of his family and children to Minnesota homesteaded down near Mankato in St. Peter, Minnesota, where the Jolly Green Giant vegetable farming is famous. They built a beautiful hockey arena about 20 years ago at Gustavus Adolphus College. Anders Thorsen was one of three men that put his money down and built the college. It's now a Mayak hockey powerhouse in southern Minnesota. So we have a lot in common with the Swedish background in the ministry. So let's move on towards you and your career. John, yeah. how did you get into hockey? Well, through my dad. And, you know, um, as a kid, I got to it kind of late when I was nine or 10. What I mean by that, I was never afforded an opportunity to skate as a young boy. There wasn't a lot of opportunity. My parents had me later in life. My sister's nine years older than me. She had some health issues when she was younger. So anyway, I had to do everything athletically on my own. So I, I gravitated to natural American sports like baseball, which was a love of mine, still is. A little bit of basketball, a little bit of football here and there. But there was a minor league team in Springfield, Massachusetts, the LA Kings affiliate, the Springfield Kings. And they had a couple of players back in 1970, or you'll know these names, Butch Goring and Billy Smith, the goaltender. And they were the anchors of that team that won a championship in 1971. So I was nine years old. In and around that time, Bobby Orr scored the big goal for the Bruins in 1970 to win the Stanley Cup. I recall where I was. I recall I was by myself at my aunt's house watching the game on television, and I was captivated by the call of the great Dan Kelly of that game on CBS in the United States. Oh, fantastic. And I modeled my hobby now after him. So what I would do is call games off the television, record them on cassette. My dad was my color man. And what we would do is all the Bruin games were televised back in those days. And uh, we would position the antenna to get the games. His buddies would come over, have a beverage, <laughs> watch the games. He turned the sound down and Little Johnny would do his play-by-play -play gig. 
I took it pretty seriously. So then I went to college and through high school, I actually told my counselor, hey, I'd love to be an NHL play-by-play guy someday. And she looked at me and said, I have no idea how to advise you to do that. Um, (laughs) Why don't you go to school? And I, I really wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to help kids. I wanted to get an education. I wanted to coach a little bit. Anyway, I went to college and in college, I took one course in broadcast journalism as an elective. It was taught by a local news director at an NBC station. And I voiced over the 1981 Super Bowl between the 49ers and the Bengals. And when that exercise was over, he said to me, if you ever get a chance to do this professionally, go for it. He said, because you have a knack for game call. You have a knack for broadcasting, which you can't really teach in a classroom. I kept it in the back of my mind. I went to graduate school. I landed an internship in the American League, and the owner of the team gave me a chance to get on the air, and he asked me one question. He said, do you have any broadcast experience? And all I said was yes. He didn't ask me where. He didn't ask me for who. He didn't ask me anything. I just said yes. He gave me a chance to get on the air as a color guy. The radio play-by-play guy left after one year. They gave me the job. I worked there for seven years. I then caught the eye of Hartford and went to Hartford in 91. And by 95, I was their full-time television announcer. A lot of luck, Luke. I worked hard. I did a variety of jobs in the American League. I did a variety of jobs in the NHL, a front office work that kind of gave me appreciation for organizations and what everyone does. It's helped me in my broadcasting career, but I always wanted to do this. So I'm very fortunate that it all worked out. So along the way there in Hartford, you met Ronnie Francis. Yeah, the uh, Ronnie franchise, and yeah. uh, obviously the two of you have made a great friendship over the years in hockey. Tell us what uh, what happened in the last year with Ron Francis bringing you here to Seattle. Well, you know, Ron, when it went down in Carolina, it was pretty ugly. My contract situation, there wasn't a lot of give on the on the team side, which I felt was unfortunate. I thought I deserved it after mm-hmm. all these years, but they pr- gave me a proposal in June of 2020, because of the pandemic, as they, they used that as kind of a, an excuse to get to where they wanted to go, really a non-workable proposal. And there was no negotiation between myself and the team. So I found myself for the first time in a position where I didn't have an employer. I, I wasn't working for anyone. And on July 1, 2020, the first phone call I got from anybody was from Ron Francis. Wow, good called, job, Roddy. <laughs> well, he didn't ask me about the job. He asked me about my family. He asked me about my kids. He asked me about my wife and how everybody was. At the end of the conversation, he said, if you don't mind, he said, I'm sure you're going to have some options. I'm going to turn you on to Todd Laiwicki and you guys start a dialogue. Oh, my. That's awesome. and, And Todd called me a couple of days later, Luke. It was therapeutic because really he didn't even get to a job offer or anything. He was talking about Seattle, but he was more interested in where I was in my career. You know, at my age, at 59 or 58 at the time, you know, how was this happening to me? Longtime announcer in one place. Aside from my national work, I never thought I would be leaving here, leaving North Carolina. Thankfully, this has happened. And so anyway, after months of starting a relationship in and around the holidays, Todd presented me with an offer. And it was such a fantastic offer that uh, I had to grab it. I feel energized. I feel honored to be in this position and really privileged to get a chance to do this for the second time, to mark time with a franchise from day number one. Uh, I, I can't wait yeah. to get going. Well, we're ready to release the Kraken. <laughs> and then we've got John Forsland, the voice of the NHL hockey. When the NHL picked its two voices for the NHL playoffs, Stanley Cup final, they picked Eddie Olchuk and John Forsland together. 
to uh, announce Yeti Gord wins his second straight Stanley Cup, and now he comes to Seattle. We're all excited here with this new team. Uh, we even have five Swedes now gathered here. We've got a little list of Wenberg, Larson, uh, yeah. Olofsson. We've got Johansson. Who's the fifth one here? Yarncroke. Yarncroke. Well, oh, my favorite guy, Kelly, Kelly Yarncroke. And, you yeah. know, I came up with this Luke Chelios tag for the Kraken fan cast, but my last name is Chell, and I think I might change it to Chellcroke. I mean, <laughs> Kelly Kelly Yarncroken has got the Chell best – the best yeah. name for a jersey in Seattle yeah. sports history. I, like I know that. a famous fan here. He's on uh, Sound of Hockey Media now. John Barr, he texted me the other day saying he's picking 19 Kelly Yarn Crook for his jersey. How do you say the name? Just give us a little bit of a... You said it. Kelly Yarn Crook. Yarn Crook scores! The winning goal yeah. in overtime! Yeah. yeah. We'll have some organic stuff, uh, hopefully, with all these goal calls. We'll see what happens. Right on. Well, we have a Swedish fan up in uh, Port Angeles. It's where the ferry takes across the boat across to Victoria. My mom and dad are up in Victoria at a senior's home. My dad, Ted, is not doing too well. He's a retired Lutheran minister. We do a shout out to my dad, Ted. He's hanging in there day by day. Um, he's going to listen to our fan cast. He's they get... Uh, Seattle radio and TV. I'm not sure if we can get them the root sports, but Ted and Jan are going to listen to you, John, up in uh, Winnipeg. My mom's got two friends in church in Winnipeg. Her last name is Forsberg, and the other is Lund. And <laughs> you put Forsberg and Lund together. And uh, John Forslund, I'm sure you're my mom's favorite announcer in sports right. now. Well, God bless them. God bless them, Luke. I think John Forslund and the Seattle Kraken, you're going to bring hope and, uh, had fun back to the Seattle community. Um, we've been waiting 600 plus days for Seattle Kraken hockey. Uh, time to drop the puck. Let's go. Is, and I'll see you in Spokane. I've got tickets to the first ever Kraken jersey unveiling in Spokane when the Canucks Great. play the uh, the Kraken on September 26th. So shout out to our fans around the world. We've got fans in Sweden. We've got fans in Australia. We've got fans in England. We've got fans in Boston. We've got fans up in Newfoundland. We've got fans in Alaska. This Seattle Kraken team is worldwide. We yeah. have over 60,000 fans in our Facebook groups now, and we haven't even dropped the puck. So, If I can interrupt you, the thing about this is this team is going to make a difference on a lot of fronts, you know, most importantly mm -hmm. on the ice, what they stand for, the initiatives they've already taken on, the presence they're going to have in the community. As part of the reason... Well, there's a variety of reasons why I wanted this job, but that's also one of the things that I think is, is very important is, is what the Kraken will stand for moving forward. You know, uh, a, a team is only as good as what they stand for with their fans. And that there has to be a separation between, you know, the success just, it can't all be based on winning and losing. It has to be based on a lot of things, uh, the difference you make in your community. And I think they'll just jump on board with everybody else there, the Mariners, the, the Seahawks, the Sounders, and so on, the Storm, you know, all, all the teams and the rich history of Seattle. But this thing, because of hockey's international flavor, you're right, Lou, this will extend globally. This team, I think, will become uh, a darling of hockey fans all over the world. I really believe that. Well, we're located in a beautiful part of the United States, North America, on the West Coast. We're not far from Vancouver and uh, the great folks up in BC. We've got some good rivalries down in California. Yeah. We've got fans in Portland and the Oregon area that are becoming uh, Kraken fans. 
we have rivalries in soccer between Portland and Seattle. Uh, We used to have a rivalry in the NBA between Portland and Seattle, but now the Portland fans are, have already become Kraken hockey fans. So that's great. Let's let's have a great year ahead, John, in our first inaugural season. The patch on the jersey just came out, looks fantastic. We've got some fantastic players. A few of my favorite players, actually, Brandon Tanev, an old Winnipeg Jet. I grew up years ago with the Winnipeg Jets. Brandon Tanev was a walk-on pretty much out of Providence College, scored the NCAA game-winning goal to win the championship for Providence. He signed with Winnipeg because Chris Tanev, his brother, had a good experience with the Manitoba Moose. And like you said, it all starts with the ownership, the management, the players, and the fans falling in love with their team. And whether they win or lose, you're proud to wear that jersey. So everybody's excited. Let's hope COVID doesn't set us back so the fans can fill the Climate Pledge Arena. And the first game, October 23rd, I believe, Vancouver comes to Seattle. It's going to be fantastic hockey history. Once again, John, we'll have you on later in the year. We'll I'll do okay. a little update mid-season for when you have a day off. Uh, maybe okay. not sure what the Olympic break's like for you, but uh, we'll have you on our show. You're our new friend of the Kraken Fancast, and we'd love to talk to Everett Fitzhugh and Eddie Olchek and a few other of your Kraken friends along the way if you could help us out with that. And I always end the show with keep your stick in the air and celebrate those goals. <laughs> I love it. All right, big thanks, big, huge, huge thanks and gratitude to John Forslund for uh, for being so gracious and uh, uh, being available for that interview. And uh, cheers to our cohort, Lute, uh, for putting that together. As I mentioned earlier, hopefully we'll have some uh, more interviews in the coming uh, weeks and months. I uh, would love to you know, connect with uh, some of uh, John's broadcast partners. So fingers crossed that'll work out. And that does it for another episode of Kraken Fancast. Again, you can uh, find us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Please uh, follow us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter under Kraken Fancast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, also under Kraken Fancast. And, uh, or actually, I should mention uh, our Twitter is actually at Cast Kraken. Uh, but you can do a Kraken Fancast search, and uh, we'd love to get some more uh, folks on our Twitter page. We have tons of folks on our Facebook page. We're very grateful for that, but then hopefully we'll get more of you all on our uh, other social media channels as well. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, Around that time, I should have my little report, my my Spokane uh, excursion. No doubt there will be some more Kraken news Uh, that we'll all have plenty to talk about right then. So uh, thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Kraken! Go Kraken!